We're hearing the opening of the Requiem by French composer Gabriel Fauré, conducted by his former student Nadia Boulanger, a work she was often asked to lead. In 1956, Suzanne Hoover traveled to France to study conducting with Nadia Boulanger at Fontainebleau. In a letter back home, she wrote, Nadia Boulanger teaches the same thing in all the classes, taking the day's material as a jumping-off point for inculcating the values she considers important. But conducting class is a little different. There she is all business improvising impossible exercises for us that employ both hands and often both feet and even speech. The idea is to practice the impossible until you can do it, and then nothing will ever again be difficult. Beat two while you count five. Beat two while you count five and tap three, using a disastrously uninfectious rhythmic pattern from Stravinsky's L'Histoire du Soldat. She has had us speak the pattern repeatedly, while tapping every quarter note with one hand and beating the irregular measures with the other hand, exercises in canon she considers particularly useful for attaining the independence of parts in one's mind and for concentration. Once she asked Peter, a shy but good-humored Danish composer, to go to the piano and play in dulci jubilo, first with one hand, then in canon with two hands, then singing in three-part canon. That from an essay titled Teaching Nadia Boulanger by Suzanne Hoover. Nadia Boulanger was well known as a teacher, a teacher of composers like Aaron Copland and Virgil Thompson, but she was a composer herself, an organist, and a conductor. In her essay, Telling the Story of Nadia Boulanger, Janice Brooks writes, even today, despite inroads made by women in many fields formerly reserved for men, it is difficult for female orchestral conductors to gain critical and popular acceptance. It was just as difficult in the 1930s when Nadia Boulanger burst onto the international conducting scene. Within only a few years of conducting her first entire program in 1933, she became the first woman to appear as a conductor for the Royal Philharmonic Society and the first to direct the orchestras of Boston and Philadelphia. Before the end of the decade, she had become one of the few women to appear with the National Symphony and the New York Philharmonic. She had directed dozens of Parisian orchestras and conducted for radio in France, Belgium, England, and the United States. Her astonishing success was due to a combination of factors chief among them her undeniable and legendary charisma. But Boulanger's achievement was also due to her successful negotiation within a culture unwilling to accept female conductors. Five years before Nadia Boulanger conducted her first full program, a concert at the Salon of the Princesse de Polignac, an article appeared in the woman's newspaper, Minerva, which illustrates the approach that many later reviewers of her performances would take. In the issue of July 15, 1928, Minerva announced that its readers had elected Boulanger Princesse de la Musique, Princess of Music, with 1,562 votes. 
The wording of the award would suggest that Boulanger's gender, she is a princesse, and the award was made by women voters in a woman's paper, but also that her ruling or leading qualities would be emphasized in the article accompanying the announcement. But this is not the case. Simone Rattel's central image in the article allows her to present Boulanger's activities without evoking ideas of desire or ambition, stressing instead the concept of service. Virtually all subsequent discourse between Boulanger, her public, and the press was devoted to projecting the image of Boulanger as a servant of music. Edwin Schloss of the Philadelphia Record, reviewing Nadia Boulanger's landmark performance with the Philadelphia Orchestra, March 1939, devoted nearly a paragraph to her age and appearance. Business-like attitude, Mademoiselle Boulanger walked out onto yesterday's stage with a flat-heeled business-like stride, wearing a plainly cut beaded dress and an air of quiet confidence, confirmed by austere nose glasses, 50-ish, her hair is dark and streaked with gray. Her face is firm-lipped and resolute, but engagingly sweet and intelligent in expression. As far as appearance is concerned, a replica of Mademoiselle Boulanger could probably be found without looking too hard on the faculty of any of our better girls' colleges or finishing schools, most probably in the science department. Most reporters and most audiences accepted Nadia Boulanger enthusiastically since her conducting and her accounts of it could be interpreted in a way that did not have disturbing implications for the social order. Because of this, Boulanger's success, like that of many other exceptional women, did not help her culture to provide many similar opportunities for female successors. Certainly, the very appearance of a woman in front of so many major orchestras was an important breakthrough. But the narratives that surrounded Boulanger's path to the conductor's podium did little to encourage other women to aspire to emulate her. By telling a story which, to a large extent, reinforced rather than challenged gender ideology, she and her audiences continued to secure the authority of prevailing concepts of gender ideology and the narrative possibilities they afforded for women's lives. Boulanger's career provides an example of how an individual and her society interact to permit the extraordinary without allowing it to become the everyday. That from an essay by Janice Brooks titled Noble Grand Servant de la Musique, telling the story of Nadia Boulanger. There is an effort underway this very week to make the presence of women conductors on podiums around the world an everyday occurrence in an international competition in France, and that would be Nadia Boulanger's native country. There will be a gathering of the most talented women conductors who took part in an audition process to go through the four days of the competition in Paris. Melisse Brunet, music director and conductor of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, a native of France, has returned to Paris to take part in the prestigious event, and we had a chance to speak with her by phone and learn more. 
La Maestra competition is an international competition for women conductors, and uh, I, I believe that more than 300 or 250 women applied from more than 50 countries, and they have selected 14 one for finalists to compete in Paris with three rounds, leading to the great finals. Three women will compete for the prize, and the mission of this competition has has been and is uh, apparently when you read their website that they believe that there are not yet enough women leading higher level orchestras in the world and uh, not enough women are being selected for competitions. So they wanted to create a competition for women conductors so they would have a chance to be advertised, to, to be known and to win positions, job and get all of these started, and actually it's been proven already very efficient because the first edition happened in September 2020. And after that, all the other competitions have now selected more women to compete. And also more and more orchestras are asking for women to come guest conduct, to become music directors and things. So that, that competition is already bringing change in society and at the head of orchestras. And how do you prepare for something like this? Which orchestra will you be working with? And how do you, in such a short time, get to make a bond, I guess, with players like that? One does it as a guest conductor. Is it that kind of thing? It's uh, a bit different because, first of all, the orchestra that we will be conducting is called the Paris Philharmonie Orchestra, which is an orchestra that was founded by Claire Gibault, another woman conductor. And uh, it's at the Philharmonie de Paris, which is one of the most beautiful halls in Paris. What is uh, very challenging, as you mentioned, is that we need to have an impact in a very short amount of time. Because when you're guest conducting an orchestra, you still have three days or a week to work with the orchestra. So it's kind of long. But here's the first round for each woman competing is going to be only 25 minutes long. And 25 minutes is nothing, you know in terms of normal compared to a normal job. So you need to develop different qualities to to make an impact, you know, and eventually going to the next round. The round number two is going to be 50 minutes, five zero minutes per candidate, and we will be seven, I believe. And then the last round will be uh, one hour to rehearse and then a full concert per candidate, and there will be three finalists uh, for the final concert. But what is also different compared to, let's say, guest conduct an orchestra is that you have a committee and the committee is going to decide who they think deserves to, to win a competition. And that's very different from a normal job as well. And what about the idea that there has been a piece commissioned for the competition? L'existence du possible. Ah, yes. So uh, for the final round, the finals, uh, there is uh, one commissioned piece by uh, Gracian Finzi. And uh, it's called, as you beautifully said, uh, L'Existence du Possible, which is a piece written specifically for this competition. And it's going to be premiered and rehearsed first time during the, the competition by three women, the three finalists. I was so excited to receive the score, you know, because I love new music and I love to dive into new scores. If I'm lucky to go into the finals, I will very much look forward to talk with the composer Gracian because I have many questions about her piece. I really enjoy the atmosphere that she created. And towards the end of the piece, the last part is a huge 
accelerando, if you want to compare uh, in Sibelius 5, you know, there is a huge accelerando, very, very long accelerando at one point. And, and th this is a bit similar here, and it's very, it's taking me every time I'm rehearsing it in my head. You know, I'm just like really um, enjoying that. And there's a little clip with her on the website mm -hmm. for the competition, and she is speaking in French, but it seems she talks about how the music comes from inside of her, and it wells up, and she actually uses her hands, and she pulls her hands up from her belly, and then she puts it out and says, and then it goes to the listeners. So it sounds like this is a piece that comes from her soul. Absolutely, yes. And uh, as, a, as a performer... And of course, what's fantastic is that there are no recordings of this piece yet. You know, there is no tradition, there is nothing which I, I find so exciting personally. And But as, as a performer, I can feel that as well, like there is that motion from inside to outside. Now, have they chosen pieces for round one and round two as well? Yes, the repertoire has been selected, uh, you know, before we applied for the competition. So they gave us a choice of many pieces for the first round and they asked us to pick two of them. And then they decided which one we will be conducting among the two. So we will only do one for the first round for 25 minutes rehearse and run. For the second round, we have four pieces uh, two are concertos for piano and uh, two are accompanying voice. And they will uh, draw before the second round who conducts what. I believe it's going to be each woman will have one concerto for piano and one accompaniment for voice, which is very smart to see us in both registers, you know. And then for the finals, they gave us a big list, and we had to take from that list and create our own program that would be between 18 and 23 minutes, which was kind of complicated because, you know, <laughs> It's it's rather difficult with a list of 10 pieces to create that kind of program. And we had to submit two different programs to them. And I believe they will pick for the finalist which program we will have to do the night before the rehearsal. You sound excited. You don't sound daunted. You sound appropriately alert, but you sound like you're really looking forward to it. Absolutely. That's uh, interesting you noticed that because... That's the first time ever that I feel so excited and ready for a competition. It's not generally my cup of tea because I like real work and real impact on communities, which for me means working with orchestras during normal series. You know, I find that to competition there is a form of show-off that doesn't always tell if you're a good musician or not, you know. But... I, am, I applied voluntarily to this competition because I think it can bring a lot of great things for me musically and in terms of career. And I, I feel very ready, very calm and very excited also to conduct again a French orchestra. It's been a while and I, I think I've forgotten a bit how they sound. So I'm looking forward also to make music with these people. Some of them, I believe, were students with me at the Paris Conservatoire. So it's going to be very exciting to see them again. What's wonderful for us is that we'll be able to view the whole event. It will be live streamed and it can be watched from anywhere in the world. So you just go on their website, La Maestra Competition, or on their Facebook page, social media, and you will find all the links. But all the rounds will be live stream, public, and so that's great. And opportunity also for younger women in the world to get inspired and see, oh, you know, I want to do that when I'm, I'm going to be an adult because it's things that I didn't have when I was 8 years old or 14 years old or 20 years old.
Melis Brunet, music director and conductor of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, a native of France, returning to Paris to take part in La Maestra competition, the international competition for women conductors in its second edition, and that will take place this week, March 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Philharmonie de Paris and streamed live on the website of La Maestra, and we'll give you that website. It is La Maestra, all together, L-A-M-A-E-S-T-R-A hyphen Paris dot com. La Maestra hyphen Paris dot com. And it is very exciting that Melise Brunet will return to Paris. She'll see her student friends from the conservatoire. She'll be able to visit family and, best of all, represent herself and the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic on the world stage. Mm-hmm.